0: You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Our guest has made a career out of looking for the solution to a very difficult problem, reforming the Medicare system in this country. And she's here to talk with us about it. My guest is Dr. Wang Mai Pham, a physician and senior health researcher at the Center for Studying Health System Change in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Washington Health Report. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn, and welcome to the program, Dr. Pham.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Paul.
0: Today we're discussing a a big, big problem. They don't get bigger than this. How to reform Medicare, the government health program that uh, takes care of 42 million people. We're going to talk to Dr. Fahm about some of the issues, some of the politics, the policy, and what might be done. Now, is it fair to say, Dr. Fahm, that everybody thinks we need to change this system? Is it working the way it is, or is it in crisis or somewhere in the middle?
1: No, I wouldn't call it in crisis because many, many Americans get excellent care in Medicare. The question is more fiscally, is it sustainable the way it's going? And are we really getting as much value for the money that we're spending now
0: as we should be? What are some of the problems? What are the things on the agenda that people are talking about trying to change?
1: Well, in terms of what's important for physicians to know about is essentially there's a lot of conversation now about how Medicare should change the way physicians are paid in the program, and I can talk more about that. But so, how,
0: so how, Well, how are they paid now?
1: Mm-hmm. So physicians are, you know, paid with fee-for-service is what the system is called right now, where they receive a little bit of money for each service that they provide. If they provide more services, they get more money. And this is a system that has been in place essentially since Medicare came into being. But there are some real questions now about whether it's a sustainable system, and if it's not, what we would replace it with.
0: There's been a squeeze on these payments too, has not there, in recent years?
1: That's right. So one of the laws that are in place that people are eyeing to reform right now is that there's something called the Sustainable Growth Rate Policy, which states that if Medicare spending on physician services exceeds a certain amount in each year, that means that the following year there has to be an automatic cut in reimbursement rates for physicians overall.
0: The total Medicare budget, if that exceeds some cap, whatever, however many billions of dollars that is.
1: The total Medicare budget for
0: physicians. For physicians, right. Okay. And so there's an automatic cut in the performance fee schedule.
1: That's right. And this has been happening, that is, spending has been exceeding that cap every year for the last several years running. And what Congress has done in response is to give one-year fixes in legislation every year to physicians. But this is not an approach that is really sustainable because all it does is it, it kicks the can down the road. It just right. it just <laughs> means that you know next year physicians are game. looking at a work
0: cut. <laughs> right now, are doctors bailing out of the system? What's the status?
1: They aren't leaving Medicare because, to tell you the truth, in many communities, Medicare is the best payer that physicians have. But it doesn't mean that it's a sustainable model for them either, because not all physicians benefit to the same degree. So some physicians are doing very very well under Medicare, particularly. Docs who are doing lots of procedures tend to be the doctors providing what we call the cognitive services, the thinking services. You know, you you come in, I talk to you, I examine you, I give you recommendations. Those types of services aren't paid so well, and so the doctors who perform them are really hurting financially.
0: The old-fashioned doctoring doesn't get paid well. The new high-tech stuff gets paid better.
1: Gets paid better, and many people would say unjustifiably so, meaning that they get paid at rates that are far higher than what it actually costs to provide the
0: service. How did that happen? Was that lobbying, the mix of politics, or or did somebody make a mistake? How did this arise?
1: The way it arose, I think, was fairly accidental. It was not intended to work that way, but the way that Medicare estimates how much it costs to do a, a CAT scan or a certain procedure just kind of got out of whack with where the marketplace actually was, and nobody ever bothered to update the data, adequately.
0: Out of whack with the market, you mean the the reimbursements are different from what happens outside of Medicare or the, the
1: reimbursements are different from what it actually costs right. to provide the service right. out in the real world. But the the reasons that this system is sustained are very much political because, you know, once you have a good thing, nobody wants to give that up.
0: The people doing the CAT scans there make sure that their voice is heard. There's any talk about changing this and so forth. Exactly. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Dr. Mai Pham about how to fix the Medicare problem, which we expect to have all the solutions for by the end of the segment here. So what has Congress done, besides kicking the can down the road in terms of reimbursement rates, what has Congress done in recent years of significance? Have they done anything important to alter the system?
1: CMS itself, actually, and the physicians who advise CMS actually took an important step this past year. Where CMS
0: the, is the... Uh, the
1: Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, right. I'm sorry. That, mm-hmm. That's the agency that administers the Medicare program. And what CMS did, based on advice from physician groups, was to try to correct some of those payment rates and to give the, those thinking services, the cognitive services, higher payment rates than they have been getting in, in recent years. And it succeeded to a limited extent, to a small enough extent that it's not clear that it's really going to fundamentally change physicians' experiences but that that was an important step that
0: they took. I mean, there's some tension here not not only in Medicare, but you know we're all concerned about rising health costs and so we have to be concerned about rising health care costs. on the other hand, this is, by and large, good stuff we're buying with this money. We're not buying uh, military equipment that doesn't work, or, we're, you know, we're buying health care for people. So uh, there, there is a balance there, isn't that correct?
1: That's a good perspective. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I gather by your tone that that's a good perspective, but not something that's current in Washington. Or <laughs> well, you
1: know, it, it's a good perspective, and, and I think most health policy experts would agree with you that it's better to spend money on this than something else. On the other hand, you don't want to pay for care that you don't need because contrary to popular belief, too much care can be bad for you. You know, we, we don't have, unfortunately, a lot of science on that, but there there are all kinds of intuitive reasons to, to see why you wouldn't want a patient getting CAT scans when they don't need them. It builds in a lot of anxiety. It results maybe in extra tests to chase down something that ends up being nothing and takes up a lot of time and resources and maybe even results in procedures that the patient doesn't really need.
0: But these are judgment calls, so somebody's got to be in a position to look at these things and say, okay, this is, a, this is an unnecessary CAT scan, this is a necessary CAT scan.
1: That's right. And, and it is difficult, but there is also a lot of data, a lot of evidence to suggest that, you know, more of these things just happen when the providers are paid more for them. That's an uncomfortable bit of reality for, you know, physicians. I'm a physician, and we really want to believe that we only do what's in the best interest of our patient. But as you point out, a lot of these things are judgment calls, and we're only human, and our judgment can be swayed by financial incentives, consciously or not.
0: I work for a living, and I don't find that all that shocking, I have to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's really a harsh thing to say about doctors because as you say we all have we're all human we all have that kind of tendency now what is the long term fix here? Again, if we if we step back a bit from what's politically possible, you know, what are things that could be done or that should be done? And, and may, you know, and maybe, maybe some of them do have some political viability.
1: Well, I can tell you uh, the types of things that this Congress is considering, just to give you a sense. So one model they're considering is uh, keeping the sustainable growth rate policy, but instead of having it be all physicians in the country contribute to, you know, the total spending and how you calculate whether it's exceeded the cap or not. The the alternative would be to narrow it down. Have it be regional groups of physicians or particular specialties that are grouped together. And then you calculate their spending and you say, oh, you know, you in the southwest, you've overspent and so next year your rates will be lower. But you in the northwest, you did really well and so your reimbursement rates might go up. That's one replacement model that they're considering. Another one is to do away with fee-for-service altogether and think about an entirely different model where physicians are paid uh, what we call bundled payments. And and they
0: they,
1: they don't get paid piecemeal, one visit, one piece of payment. They get paid for taking care of the whole patient for that year. And they know ahead of time how much money that is. And, And from Medicare's perspective, Medicare knows ahead of time how much Medicare will spend, and so it's easier to predict budgets that so way. So
0: patient with disease X is worth $1,000 or whatever it turns out to be. Exactly. Those things are, are a little bit scary, too, because if patient with disease X suddenly has complication Y and Z, the doctor is taking care of it or somebody's taking care of that without being paid for it, essentially.
1: Well, there are lots of different ways to run a model like that where the physician would not be at financial risk. For the, for those types of happen, of um, occurrences, and you know, I, I think there, obviously, the devil is in the details. But there are ways to work around some of those
0: concerns. Do so you do some probabilistic things and say there's a, you know, fifty percent chance of this complication, so you build that into the fee? Is that the kind of thing you're talking about, or
1: well, or you just don't hold the physician responsible for that? You know, it's if they if the patient has to get admitted, well, you're not going to ask the physician to pay for the hospitalization. That's just not realistic. But what you could do is you can offer the physician a bonus if they can manage to keep that patient healthy enough
0: that they don't need the hospitalization. Uh, That brings us to a close. We've been talking about Medicare with Dr. Mai Pham from the Center for Studying Health System Change. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. You've been listening to the Washington Health Report. This is ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening.